The information presented in this podcast is of a general nature and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. It should never be used as a substitute for mental care, medical care, prevention, diagnosis, counseling, treatment, or other services. Always consult a mental health professional before engaging in any activities discussed in this podcast. Thank you for listening. Have you ever wished for magical powers? Do you still await your Hogwarts acceptance letter? Well, welcome to Hogwarts. You are magical. And this is your invitation to join us in exploring the psychology behind the most magical series, Harry Potter. Welcome to Harry Potter Therapy. Hello, all you magical people out there, and welcome to Harry Potter Therapy. I'm your host, Dustin McGinnis. I am a musician, filmmaker, and all-around fanboy. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. I'm a clinical psychologist, author, and a full-time witch. Today, we get to talk about Chapter 12, The Mirror of Erised. This is such a fun chapter, and a fun little trivia moment. I actually know the brilliance behind the name Erised because you brought it to my attention. Would you like to share why it's so brilliant to our listeners? Erised spelled backwards. It spells desire. So this is literally the mirror of desire where the gazer will see what they desire the most. Well, that is awesome because... It was right there in front of our faces the whole time. (laughs) In this chapter, Draco is back to his bullying ways. He is making fun of Harry and saying all these rude things, and no one seems to be responding. The reason why is because they're all very impressed at the way that Harry stayed on his broom during the Quidditch match. J.K. Rowling actually mentions that Draco's taunting comes from his jealousy and anger. What do you think about this statement? Well, I think that even without that mention, it's pretty clear to the reader that Draco is used to getting that kind of attention. He's used to being in the spotlight. He's used to being the special boy. And now Harry Potter's the special boy. And not only is Harry the special boy, but he's also one that got to play Quidditch during his first year at Hogwarts. First years are not really supposed to be playing Quidditch. It hasn't happened in over a century. And he also won his Quidditch match very impressively. And so despite all of his ways of making fun of Harry and making himself feel better, Draco is repeatedly failing to bully him because nobody else is laughing. And in fact, that is a really good way of stopping a bully, not responding to them, not laughing at their jokes and actually just avoiding them. So I think that because Draco sees that his attempts to taunt Harry are not going well, he eventually gives up here. Yeah. In this chapter, the trio, Harry, Ron, and Hermione, are hot on the trail of finding out who Nicholas Flamel is. They're like these young little Sherlock Holmeses. Where does such curiosity and courage that they are displaying come from? Well, I think that most kids are innately curious and some more than others. And I think there is something about a treasure hunt and solving a mystery and figuring out the puzzle 
When we solve a problem, our bodies release a chemical called dopamine, which feels really good. It's a rewarding chemical. And so when we are able to solve some kind of a problem or a mystery, we actually get internally rewarded for that. And so I think that for them, it's really exciting to be able to do that. And especially being an 11-year-old child, and for Hermione, 12, being far away from school, not always feeling in charge or in control, you know, with teachers giving them a lot of homework, I imagine it's really exciting to get away and have a little bit of an adventure on the side. I think they're fantastic. This is the first Christmas that Harry actually receives gifts. One of the gifts is his father's invisibility cloak. Harry has a moment where he actually sits there and reflects on the fact that this actually belonged to his father and he made a connection with the invisibility cloak. Do you have any thoughts on that? I think that for somebody like Harry that has never received presents before, receiving any present is really meaningful. Happy Christmas, Harry. Happy Christmas, Ron. What are you wearing? Oh, Mum made it. Looks like you got one too. I've got presents. And I think that's why it's really important that we are able to donate certain presents to individuals who might otherwise be away from their families, whether children in foster care or elderly people who might not have family or other individuals who might not have family members to share presents with. I think that having that sense of unity, connection, and family is really powerful, and Harry didn't have it for 10 years. So getting any present from anybody, including from Ron's family, is really meaningful here. And then getting something that belonged to his father is a really, really powerful gift because even though Harry doesn't fully remember his dad, to have something that he can wear that belonged to his dad is really meaningful. For most of us, when we connect with a piece of something that belonged to someone that we love, it can allow us to feel closer to that person. It allows our body to release certain chemicals like oxytocin, for example, so that we feel more connected to that individual. And for Harry, it's understandable that he really wanted to put on his father's cloak and feel closer to him in that way. What are your thoughts on the meaning of this amazing magical item just in general? To me, this is just the beginning of Harry kind of following in his father's footsteps of being an adventurer, of using this cloak to cause mischief, which is what the Marauders were all about, as we learn in later books. And having this cloak as almost like his father's blessing, as almost like Dumbledore's blessing too, as a permission to step out and seek adventure with his friends. Yeah, I love how Dumbledore is so supportive and he actually puts in the note, you know, use it well. <laughs> Your father left this in my possession before he died. It is time it was returned to you. Use it well. What is it? Some kind of cloak. Well, let's see them. Put it on. Whoa! My body's gone! I know what that is. That's an invisibility cloak. I'm invisible. It's really rare. I wonder who gave it to him. There was no name. It just said, use it well. well. 
like we don't think Harry would in this case anyway. Of course he would. Understanding that little children, <laughs> that, you know, that preteens and teens later really benefit from having these kind of adventures. Yes, I love it. I want to go on this adventure. Me too. <laughs> Do you want to go treasure hunting with me? Do you want to build a snowman? Yes, I want to build a snowman. (laughs) Oh my gosh, we totally should go on some kind of a magical adventure together. Yeah, we can make up our own. I love it. Any ideas out there? Let us know, people. We're ready for a magical adventure. So I love the whole idea of the mirror of Erised. How a content person would see their reflection exactly as they are, while others would see their deepest, most desperate heart's desire just materialize right before their eyes. What is your interpretation of the function of this mirror? Well, I think Dumbledore explains it really well, is that it shows us what our heart most desires. For a lot of people, it's fame and fortune. Like for Ron, for example, it was being the captain of the Quidditch team and being successful and being recognized. And for other people, it's seeing their loved ones near them, like for Harry, for example. And Dumbledore says that the happiest person in the world will look in the mirror and see themselves exactly as they are because it means that they already have everything that they want, that they're content and happy and mindful of what they have. Research studies actually show that when we are mindful of what we have, we are happier than when we're constantly looking to compare to what other people have or when we're constantly striving for more and more and more. We might never fully be satisfied because if we're getting that next thing, like next promotion or next car, it wears off after a little bit. It doesn't necessarily make us happy. There's a difference between more materialistic kind of happiness, such as money, toys, you know, fame. And that is called hedonic happiness uh, from the word hedonism. Um, So that kind of happiness tends to be really short lasting. It's more materialistic and It tends to not be really satisfying, even though we might really strive for getting it. And I think that's what Draco usually strives for, for kind of recognition, adoration, ego boost. And then there's a different kind of happiness, the kind of happiness that Harry searches for, which is what's called eudaimonic happiness. And this is when we connect with our core values. That's when things that make us happy are interpersonal connections. So for Harry, it's connecting with his family and building a sense of family in real life, such as with his friends, with his chosen family. I remember when you and I went to Universal when Wizarding World first opened at Universal in Los Angeles, and we passed by Mira Verised, and we just stopped there. And we looked at each other and we looked in the mirror and we saw each other. And I just remember this really beautiful moment where I was very mindful of the fact that I was looking into the mirror of Erised with the love of my life and seeing exactly what I expected to see, seeing the two of us together. And it was actually a few minutes after that that you proposed. Oh, so you had some eudaimonic happiness right there, didn't you? <laughs> I still do. <laughs> I don't even want to continue. I just want to keep, you know, <laughs> feeling this feeling, this eudaimonic joy. <laughs> It's always good to be mindful of it. And I think that the practice of expressing that kind of gratitude also boosts our sense of happiness. And so Dumbledore is very clear with Harry that when you look in the mirror, you see what you desire, but 
many people might actually waste away, kind of drive themselves mad, as he says, looking into this mirror because they're just so focused on these desires, but they don't actually take actions to make them happen. Back again, Harry. I see that you, like so many before you, have discovered the delights of the mirror of Ariset. I trust by now you realize what it does. Let me give you a clue. The happiest man on earth would look into the mirror and see only himself, exactly as he is. So then it shows us what we want, whatever we want. Yes, and no. It shows us nothing more or less than the deepest and most desperate desires of our hearts. Now you, Harry, who have never known your family, you see them standing beside you. But remember this, Harry. This mirror gives us neither knowledge or truth. Men have wasted away in front of it, even gone mad. That is why tomorrow it will be moved to a new home. And I must ask you not to go looking for it again. So for Harry, he is initially really suffering and seeing the family that he wishes he had that he doesn't realize he still has in a lot of ways through his friends and then in the future through Ron's family and through the Order of Phoenix. But right now that family is just starting to build. Yeah. Harry has his actual first lucid interaction with Dumbledore in this chapter. Dumbledore's wisdom is profound in this scene. You kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier in this podcast. He says this marvelous line. It does, does not, not do to dwell on dreams, Harry, and forget to live. What function does Dumbledore serve for Harry, and how can we make use of that quote? I think sometimes we fixate so much on what we don't have that we might not realize what we do have and we might not take any steps to acquire what we want. For example, some people who might dream of being, let's say, rock stars, right, might kind of just focus so much on that dream to the point that they might hate their own reality as opposed to actually playing musical instrument or going on auditions and you know putting the hard work into it to make that dream come true and so I think Dumbledore gives us a very important reminder that we need to remember to live our life we need to focus on what's really important to us and if that dream is really important then we need to focus on making that dream come true rather than just obsessing over that particular dream right nothing's gonna happen if you don't put the effort and time into it I think this is a perfect opportunity for us in this chapter and this podcast. Again, my name is Dustin McGinnis. You can find me on Twitter at The Valiant Geek. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. You can find me on Twitter at Shadow Quill or at Dr. Janina Scarlett Official on Instagram. And a question for our listeners If you were to look in the mirror of Eriset, what would you like to see? Tweet at us and you might win a free signed copy of Harry Potter Therapy. 
Thank you all so much for tuning in and being so magical. If you want to find out more about Harry Potter therapy, you can check out Dr. Janina Scarlett's book, Harry Potter Therapy, an unauthorized self-help book from the restricted section. Thank you so much for joining us today. Stay magical out there, everybody.